like I have a word for the Lord, from the Lord for you. Um, something God has been dealing with me for a couple of months. And um, kind of feel like this has become, and I'll give you a little bit of my story. It's kind of become my, my purpose in life, really. So four years ago, my world kind of fell apart. And if you ever want to get a cup of coffee, we can talk about it. And um, began to try to pick the pieces up and see what God could do with brokenness. Um, and I really didn't know. I, I will preach a message one day. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Like, I didn't have nowhere to go because I didn't know where to go. And it was to go to him with the pieces and say, what can you do with this? And, um, and so I want to talk to you today a little bit about that. And I feel like God will minister through me um, in spite of my deliveries, but through the word of God. So Psalms chapter 34, I want to talk to you verse 18 through 19 on this simple thought, the beauty of being broken. If you would stand for the reading of the word, that's just my tradition. It may not be yours, and that's fine. Psalms 34, the Lord, everybody say the Lord, is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many, everybody say many, many are the affliction of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth them out of all. Let us pray and ask God to just be with us. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment in time, this moment that we are here together at this wonderful church with these wonderful people celebrating you, worshiping you. And now, God, we ask that our ears be open, our hearts be receptive, our minds be clean of all the clutter. And God, your spirit will speak to us and through us. And let the word of God, which is sharp and can cut through all the distractions of life, let it settle in our hearts. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I never, um, I, I never pushed anything, anything on my children. I was not, I, I kind of refused, and you may be, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's your decision. But I never wanted to be the father that tried to make my kids do the things that I enjoyed. Now, this is not meaning church. Obviously, they were coming to church whether they wanted to or not. But my personality is I, I was a sports fanatic as a kid. I loved any kind of sport. Anytime I could go play sports, anytime I could watch a sports game, anytime I could learn um, sports knowledge, I am a die-hard Saints fan. Are there any Saints fan? Or I, have I ventured too close to Texas? I mean, is this Cowboy? This is not, it's not Shreveport, right? We're Saints fan? All right, I always, all right, I always fussed with Brother Dean and Ryan Dean in Shreveport. I said, y'all do realize you're a part of Louisiana, so you're still Saints fans. I, I'm a die-hard Saints fan. I love basketball and played basketball a long time and, and continue to play. It was my only form of exercise when I lived in New Orleans was to go out and play in some city leagues, and I just enjoyed it. But I never pushed it on my kids. I tried, you know, I gave them opportunities, right? If you want to go play, my son tried to play t-ball, and he, he, he did not like it. <laughs> he did not 
uh, enjoy it. I, I tried to put them in soccer, so they wanted to try it. Other kids were doing it, and we played a little soccer league in, in uh, Alexandria area, and they did not really enjoy it. Um, I would sit down to watch a sports game, a basketball game, and I'd tell my son Jude or Audrey, do y'all want to come and watch this game with dad? And they're like, nope. I was like, okay. Well, we'll leave it alone. But what I did find quickly is they loved art. Um, they loved music. Uh, they loved all of the art type of entertainment. And uh, one of the things they enjoyed was they loved to draw. Um, so, so we have art everywhere. If you open up my daughter's closet, there are drawings because she gives them to us because she doesn't know what to do with them. We give them back to her and tell them to put her in, her in her closet and create an art wall, and she does. She just tapes them all in her closet. My son, my son has paper coming out of every drawer in his uh, desk or in his, in his closet area because it's full of things that he has drawn. Wait, they, they love it. And so every time we go to Walmart or every time we go to Target or anything like that, they want some new crayons or they want some new pens to draw. They're always looking for some kind of new art stuff. They love art. And so um, we always typically do that. We go and we'll look for a box of crayons. And it's amazing, have y'all noticed, how many different numbers of crayons they have now. I think I read somewhere they started out with like six crayons when they first opened the Crayola company. It was six in a box. And now you can have like 3,476 and they drop them in a Brinks truck when you come in with your crayons out of Walmart. They have hundreds of crayons. Just, I mean, you go in, we'll get a little box, a big box, and it's, it's, it blows my mind that it doesn't matter if we buy them at Walmart or we buy them at Target. By the time we get home and they begin to open them and use them, it is inevitable that they break. Crayons, they just break within minutes. And what my kids do is they'll, they'll break it, Pastor, and then they kind of throw that crayon away, and they'll get a new one and keep drawing, and that one breaks, and they throw that away, and they continue this process, Chance, as they're using, Chase, as they're using these, uh, these crayons over and over again. They're snapping them, breaking them, snapping them, breaking them, snapping them, breaking them over and over again. They're throwing them around. And then come end of the month, or whenever we decide we have this thing on Saturday that we call kids, we call it power hour. And we take an hour on Saturday, we put the music as loud as we can handle it in our house, and we clean for one hour. My kids are running around picking up stuff, doing uh, toilets and, and cleaning all they can, and we're doing it together. But it never fails that I'll get into their room, Pastor, and I'll start going around picking up trash, and in the corner and under the desk are all these broken crayons. And I find them everywhere. And I do what every other parent in here does. Somebody said it. I don't know who said it, but somebody said it. You throw them away. Now, pastor's already mentioned this in our world when he began to talk and the spirit of preaching came on him and I think he was about to preach. We live in a very broken world. Um, we were driving up here yesterday, and my wife asked me, she literally, we were just in the car, and she looked at me, and she said, is there any hope for America? And my response to her was, Jesus? And she said, I know, but, you know, we want, I, we, 
like we're wanting for something maybe a little more tangible, but the reality is we live in a broken world, and the only hope is Jesus. That's it. I mean, I encourage you to vote. I encourage you to participate in politics. I'm very politically minded. I enjoy that. But ultimately, you know, that it's, it's a lot about power. And people are just doing what they can to keep the power. And the only real solution for our world is Jesus. It's baptizing 17 people in two weeks. That's the hope for Monroe, Louisiana. So we live in a broken world. And in that broken world is us. Broken people. The Bible says this in Romans 3 and 23. It's a famous scripture, but we know it. It says, for all, everybody say all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody in here, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, from pulpit to pew, is broken. So I got to looking up what the word broken means. And according to Webster, it means damaged. It means not functioning properly. It means having an end or having or dealing with emotional pain and suffering. And just like that broken, worn out crayon that we discard, many of us feel useless to God because of our mistakes, our issues, our damage, our broken, or the things that have been done to us. We feel useless to God. And we tend to think, because of social media, that we are the only ones broken, and we are too broken for God to use. Now let me be transparent. I have experienced brokenness in my own personal life. I have felt so damaged, I have felt that I was not functioning the way that God intended me to be. I experienced emotional pain and suffering. And I'm 42, we'll be 43 next week. Some of our brokenness, church, can be our own fault. Choices we make, decisions we make, actions we participate in. Or sometimes our brokenness can be the fault of others and how that has impacted our lives. And I personally have experienced both of those. I have spent years feeling so damaged and so hurt that I thought God had no purpose for me. I was in so much brokenness and so much pain I'm just being transparent. It may be the last time I'm here, but it is. I can remember within the last four years being so hurt and feeling so damaged. My wife will tell you that I am in my late 30s, early 40s, laying in my bed in the fetal position, crying myself to sleep, feeling like there is no Even until this day, April the 11th, 2021, I deal with brokenness. 
Not so much the same brokenness I dealt with in the past, but I deal with brokenness as I see it in the faces of others as they walk through life feeling like they have no hope and are worthless. This world needs a lot, but this world is broken, and it needs a church willing to take the broken pieces of life and help people put things back together again. That's what the church is. It's not an organization of people coming together for social events. I'm glad you've got crawfish bowls. I'm glad we're celebrating graduation. But what CLC needs to be and what Monroe, Louisiana needs is a place where people can come in here and they can have broken lives and they can have messed up circumstances and they can walk in and they will find men and women of God that says, I was broken too, but I found Jesus and he put me back together again. The old nursery rhyme, this is not in my notes, but the old nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Oh, he sat on a wall. I can't even get the rhyme right. That's why it's not in my notes. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Y'all know it? Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Well, I've come to tell somebody, if you would stop going to the king's horses and the king's men and go directly to the king, he can put you back together. What Humpty needed to do was go to the king, and his name is Jesus, and he can put any life back together. He can fix things. He can mend things. He can take what was broken and make it beauty. That's what the world needs. Is a church because that's how you reach the world. You know how you reach the world? One broken person at a time. People may discard you as that crayon, but let me tell you a little bit and I'll be done. Let me tell you how God feels about the broken. The first thing, as we read in our text, is that God is close to the broken. You may feel that you are too damaged or your mistakes are too many and your struggles are too much. And the Bible is clear. Sin will separate us from the presence of God. But it is also clear that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Because God is close to the broken. The Bible says that he is a very present help. When you are hurting, he is present. When you are struggling, he is present. When your kids are struggling, he's a very present help. In verse 19, it says in our text that he delivereth him out of all of the affliction. Because, guys, let me tell you, many are the affliction of the righteous. 
You will have problems. You will have issues. You will have struggles. You will fall flat on your face. Your family will have problems. Your job situation, your world, your country. But he's going to deliver you out of all of them. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't leave you where you are. You may be broken, but he is close to you. That's how God feels about the broken. Maybe you feel, maybe you feel God is far because of your choices. Like, example, like maybe you feel like God's mad at you because you're ignorant like me, right? We do things that we shouldn't do, right? We, we, we do. Whether they're big or small, how we measure them as humanity, we measure them different as humans. But in the reality, whatever it is, we, we feel like maybe God, but let me remind you, you may feel like God's not near because of the choices or because of, you know, he's frustrated with you and he's mad at you because you've been coming and trying and dealing and struggling over and over. But let me remind you what the psalmist said. The psalmist said this, if I make my bed in heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. So that just tells me that no matter where I am or what I'm going through, God's there. Whether I'm on the mountaintop or whether I'm in the valley, God is walking with me. In Mark, so God is near to the broken. He's not far from you because of what you're going through. It doesn't mean God doesn't care. God is near to those that are broken. I was reading in Mark chapter 16, verse 6 through 8, and I didn't give them the scripture, but I, they seem to be pretty quick, so I'm, I'm giving them some delay time as I ramble. Mark 16, look at that, 6 through 8. And he said unto them, be not frighted or be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. We just celebrated this. Behold the place where they laid him. Look at verse 7. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. He didn't say and John. And he didn't and Peter. Peter and his brokenness. He had failed God. He'd cursed God out. I mean, really, can it get any worse than having those three, three moments to shine? And they were three moments where he just failed miserably. Yet when God shows up, he says, hey, you tell Peter I'm back. Because I, I'm, I'm sure, Pastor, I'm sure to the others in the group, I'm, they're human, the disciples, they were human. I'm sure in the others, some of them probably thought Peter was worthless. He was a sellout. He was not part of the group anymore. He wasn't a part of the clique. He was a failure. But to God, let me tell you, Peter had value. And that's what I want to tell you. Broken things still have value value. Peter was broken, but he had value. I read this yesterday, and I put this in last night as I was praying. Pastor Gary Tracy, who pastored in St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know if you know Brother Tracy. He was a missionary for years, and he pastored in St. Louis, Missouri. He took the church after Brother Jones uh, went on to headquarters. He said this, 
I, I never thought, he said, Peter promised Jesus when he was talking to Jesus, he said, I'll never deny you, Jesus, I'll die for you. Right? And then, then, the, then the moments came where he denied Jesus three times. Right? But you know what ultimately happened? Peter died for Jesus. You can keep your promise even after a failure. Because in his heart, he loved Jesus and he was willing to die, but he failed. He was broken. He messed up. But it did not mean he lost his value. Those little broken crayons, we discard them. We throw them away. We put them in the trash can. And people may do that to you, but I've come to realize one very simple truth. Those broken crayons, they have one redeeming characteristic, and that is they still color. They still have potential to do what they were created to do. They still have value in spite of their brokenness. You can pick up one of those broken crayons and you can still draw a masterpiece. You can still color a coloring page. You can still make great art out of a broken crayon. God can pick you up in the middle of your brokenness, and he can still create a masterpiece out of your life. I don't know if y'all sung this song Easter, but I know everybody that I saw online did. But there's a song called I Thank God. He says he picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank God. Somebody needs to thank God on this Sunday morning and say I'm glad that I'm not what I was. But God can take broken things and he can change me. He can work in me. He can make me into something beautiful. Because broken, and I'm, you, have two, you have great leaders, and I, I try to keep calm, but I can't. <laughs> because I know what I was. I know a couple years ago, I was laying in that bed. I feel like I had no purpose. And God began to say, hey. I love you. You don't love me. You can't love me. Yeah, I do. I was raised in a preacher's home. I was raised by one of the greatest men you'll ever meet. My dad is an incredible man. Sometimes he goes through things, and I wish he was a little not so good, because he needs to be mean. <laughs> but he's just so kind. And I'm laying in that bed, and I'm thinking, God, I am so worthless. I am so damaged. I am such a failure. I am so broken. And over the last four years, Pastor God's began to deal with me and begin to say, hey, I love you. No, you don't. I do. I knew about God. I knew about grace. I, I preached. I did all the things. I knew God. I knew I loved God with all of my heart, just like Peter. But I never understood the love of God. never understood how wide and how deep his love is toward us. Preacher, you don't know. I don't know. But you don't know either. 
You don't know what God has done. I don't know what you've been through. You don't know what I've been through. But I've come to tell you, you've got value. You have value. Peter, I know you have messed up. And I know you're broken. But you have a purpose. Because Peter, I need you to believe that I love you. And I need you to believe that you've got value because I've, got, I've already given you some keys. And I need you to stand up on the day of Pentecost. And I need you to have the confidence that though you are broken, you can preach the message that will change the world. And Peter stands up there. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know, it doesn't say, but maybe... Some of the disciples were like, why him? Why him? I don't know. But he stands up there, and he begins to unlock the keys to the kingdom. So as Nicodemus, we can enter into the kingdom now as we are repentive of our sins. And we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And we are filled with the glorious spirit of God. Peter, I know you're broken, but you still have value. You can still color. You can still be used. You can still worship. You may be broken, but you have value. The church, I tell you to keep praising God. Keep coming to church. Keep getting up. Keep loving people. Because God can still take the broken things of your life and create a beautiful masterpiece. The woman with the alabaster box, she, which we, we sing that song by C.C. Winings, which I didn't realize was written by an apostolic lady. I didn't know that until this week. Um, the, the alabaster, she broke the box. And the Bible says that everybody complained but her brokenness had a purpose. And she worshiped because of that brokenness. And she was used because she was willing to be broken. Church, I just want to remind you today, in my own simple way, that God can use your flaws. He can use your brokenness to impact the world. Because broken things still have value. And broken crayons still can color. And the last thing, as I give you my heart, broken, the beauty of brokenness is God is close to the broken. The broken still have value. And the third thing, as I finish, is that broken people still have access to the presence I've heard this said my whole life. <clears throat> uh, I need to get good before I get God. Right? I, I, I had some friends and I was preaching in another church and we were trying to get their backslidden family to come and, and the, the, the one of the guys said, if I step foot in that building, the whole place would fall down. You've ever heard somebody say something like that? You know, insinuating that they are so 
broken or so bad or so far from God that if they came in, the church would fall apart. And, and I got to thinking, and that bothers me so much because that's not what the church should be. People should know that when they step foot in here, they're stepping foot in a place with other broken people. You know, I got to stop doing this. I got to do this. I got to clean up. I got to, you know, I, I, I got to get rid of this. And then I'll come to God. No, 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 no. You get God first. And then you can get good after you get God. Because broken people still have access to the presence of God. The woman with the issue of blood, Pastor, we, we all know that story. And the woman in the Bible with the demonic daughter. Both of these women were broken. One was broken by a physical condition. She had an issue in her physical body. The other one was broken by a family issue, a circumstance. She was dealing with family drama and turmoil and chaos going on in her life. And both of their brokenness did not keep them from the presence of God. They both had access to enter into his presence because at the cross, the veil was torn, right? We can go into God regardless, no matter what we're going through. Our brokenness does not disqualify us. Though I may be beaten down, though I may be bleeding and struggling, and the Pharisees say you can't, but Jesus' response is always the same. Come unto me, all that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is telling us today to come. Who? All. All that are broken, all that are hurting, all that are frustrated, all that are suffering, all that are imperfect, you're in the right place at CLC because God's call is the same today as it was back then. Come unto me, all. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Come on to Jesus. You don't know where I've been. Come on to Jesus. You don't know what my family's going through. I don't, but come on to Jesus. Come all, all. Because your brokenness doesn't disqualify you. In fact, it does quite the opposite as the musicians. Yes, they're good. They're getting ready. It qualifies you for the miraculous. As we all stand, I'm done. The beauty of broken. I took this out, but I'll add it in real quick. The loaves and the fishes. Right? Y'all know that one? Loaves and the fishes, the miracle feeding the thousands. The Bible says he took the bread. Different translations say different thing, but he took the bread and he blessed it or he prayed over it. Nothing miraculous happened with the prayer or the blessing. But the miracle happened. The Bible says he then broke the bread. And once he broke the bread, the miracle began to happen. It just kept going. So your brokenness doesn't disqualify you. It actually positions you for a miracle. You see, when you're broken... You don't come to God saying, okay, God, I know I'm, you know, you know who I am. I'm Derek Park. Yeah, you know. I'm a good guy. 
Can you take care of my family? Can you give me a new job? That's not how you come to God when you're broken. You come to God and say, God, I can't do it. God, I can't make it another day without you. I can't figure this thing out. I can't make a way where there seems to be no way, but I know you can. And so when you're broken and you're in a place today that you can be honest about that brokenness and you won't be judged or you won't be ridiculed, you'll be celebrated because God is close to the broken because broken things still have value and because your brokenness doesn't keep you from the presence of God. I don't know, I know with COVID life is our different, but I, I do feel in my spirit to have an opportunity for us to come and pray at an altar. I've given you my heart. You know, a delivery of a sermon is Sometimes you do good, sometimes you don't, right? That's just life. But I've tried to stand up here and be transparent and honest and just, there's beauty in brokenness. And so I want to give us a chance to pray. And I know we've got those in the balcony. You may not be able to make it down to the altar. I get that. But maybe if you're in the balcony and you want to respond to this message, maybe you can just take a step out of your pew and take a step into the aisle and the reason we take a step of faith toward an altar is this an act it's an act of faith it's an act of response right I want to respond to this word because God I want you to I want you to be close to me in the middle of my chaos God I want to I want to be reminded that I still have value and purpose and you still have a plan for me God I just want to sit at your feet for a moment and let you love on me because I just had a rough week or a rough year or a rough month. And I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm all that I need to be. But at this moment, this is all I am. And I'm coming to you because I need you. In Japan, there's a They've made an art out of restoring broken things. You may have heard this. There's an ancient practice called, I'll probably say it wrong, kintsugi. And what it is, if a, if a cup or some form of pottery falls and breaks into pieces, what most often happens, you'll bring it to someone and the attempt is to put that pottery back and they try to hide this, the cracks and the brokenness as, off, as much as possible, to make it what we would say as good as new, right? Where it's not quite new and it's not like it was, but we're trying to hide all of the imperfections the best we can do. That's what we do sometimes if we're honest at the church. We, we, you know, we come and I'm good, pastor, I'm good, and inside we're hurting. We're trying to hide it, we don't want anybody to see it. But this kintsugi art does something a little different. It, um, it takes the, the broken pieces as it puts them back together, and it lines them with gold. And it takes a different approach to art. It says, I'm not going to highlight 
or attempt to make this as good as new, I'm going to make it something new. And so it takes the gold, it puts gold in the cracks and uses that gold to fuse together that pottery, making that cup or that vase have gold lying throughout it. And what ends up happening is that pottery actually becomes more valuable after it was broken than before. Because of the gold that is lined through it. The pottery becomes more beautiful, more valuable through the restoration process. Because though it once was broken, it not only has a history that it can tell, but it has a new story that it can show. And so I've come to tell you today, he's going to make you better than you've ever been if you present to him your body as a living sacrifice and say, God, here is my brokenness. And so I want to open these altars as we close our eyes and they begin to sing. I've given you my heart. And if you would, take a step of faith and just say, God, here I am. Here's my brokenness. Here's my struggles. Here's my hurt. Here's my pain. It may not be broken that you have done, but it may be the brokenness that someone else has done that has impacted your life. And you just want to take a step of faith and say, God, here I am. I'm not trying to hide. I'm not trying to cover it up. God, I am who I am, and I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you to be close to me right now in this moment of emotional hurt and pain and struggle. I need to understand the love of God because right now I don't even feel like I could be loved. I don't feel lovable because of all the chaos. God. Why is all this happening to me? God, you feel so far. You feel so distant. But I know your word says you are near. And so, God, I just need you. I need you to wrap your arms around me love me. I need you to tell me it's going to be okay. I need you, God, to walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death because, oh, God, sometimes I feel like I'm alone, but I know I'm not. God, I need you to be near to me because I am broken. I feel damaged. I don't feel like I'm functioning the way I need to be. I need you to remind me, God, I have purpose. If you would, if you feel comfortable, and if it's someone that you feel comfortable with, would you pray with your neighbor in your pew and in the altar? And say, God, I need you. I need you, God, to remind me that I have value. God, I need you to remind me that though I'm broken, the potter can put me on the wheel and can transform me. So I'm going to keep getting up, God. I'm going to keep coming to church. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep going because I know the race is not to the swift, but to him that endures. He said, my best days are not behind me. 
Joseph, I know you're broken. I know you have family dysfunction. I know you've been mistreated. I know you had family issues and drama and you've got issues going on. But what the devil means for destruction, God's going to turn it around for your good. Would you find someone and pray with them? I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Chance. Thank you for letting me give you my heart. The beauty of our brokenness is that God is near. He's not running away from you because he's mad at you. He hasn't abandoned you because what you're going through, he is there. You have value and you have access to his presence. And God's going to create something out of you that is more valuable because of your brokenness. This is a place where a broken world can find a God who can put their life back together. Bow your heads and pray with me as pastor comes. God, we give it all to you. We trust you.